Hello and welcome to Box on Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and love from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, it's so hot, steel. And I'm Jade, it's the heat, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back, we're overly warm, probably underhydrated, but we're here, we're talking into microphones, we're sorry it's been so long. And yeah, it's all my fault. I've been uh, traveling around the place to promote my new book. Um, and we weren't, or I, well, I wasn't organized enough to <laughs> book in when we we're going to record these things. But it does mean we have a lot of things to talk about. So this is going to be a proper catch up geek out and yes. a happy uh, <laughs> uh, LGBTQ wrath month to everyone. Yes, yes it's. <laughs> Time to bring the rage, um, if we can summon the energy to do so when it's this hot. Yeah, so how have you been since we last spoke? Uh, mm, what have I have been watching, I've been consuming a lot of media, a couple of things I will definitely be talking about a lot yep. uh, today, this episode, in the coming hour. Um, I'm also really excited. Um, I am, as well as the actual play I have mentioned a, new, a number of times here on here on the podcast that is going to become a thing. I swear <laughs> it. This is why I keep saying it. I'm beholding myself to myself. Um, I'm taking part in another actual play podcast called Follow the Leader, and it's all about GMless games. Oh, yes. And we had our first run of four uh, we had four recording sessions. I was on two of them. Uh, but so far as a group, we've played Follow, Kingdom, Fiasco, and The Sundered Land. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wait, no, I've played three of those. Hey. That's exciting. No, it is. I'm not entirely sure when we're going live, uh, but the rest of the group uh, are sort of busy editing mostly uh, the person who sort of set the thing in motion uh, my friend Dora who is so awesome uh, it was their brainchild and everyone else is sort of splitting the editing I have been given a free pass to not have to help with the <laughs> editing for that project because everyone there is all very aware but um, playing Fiasco for the first time was amazing I really love that game um, it is very complicated to set up with all the dice and the index cards though I did see recently on Twitter they're doing sort of a stripped down, reduced version involving just like less, less di- uh, no dice and like set cards and things like that. But it's it's a really fun game if you like shit that goes wrong or you're an angst gremlin. Then <laughs> that is a good game to play. But uh, yeah, it's uh, and sort of our gimmick for follow the leader is that we'll each have sort of a pool of characters that we see time and time again. Uh-huh. Which is uh, which is fun. So, so you're kind of like getting to play AUs of yourself over and over again which for those of us in that group most of us like reading and writing fanfic so you know this is incredibly us being on our bullshit which is actually kind of our motto for the show which is to always be on your bullshit (laughs) um but yeah so that and uh watching the two things that i'm going to be mentioning about around the ever-present ever depressing work how about you though because obviously you've been exciting travels and family events of as of (sighs) days when yeah, you look incredibly dapper, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've I've been very very busy, and half of it is to do with book stuff, and half of it is uh, this is the summer of weddings for me and my friends. Apparently, um, mm-hmm. 
So uh, I went to New Orleans, or as the mayor of New Orleans that I uh, got to see from a distance, pronounced it New Orleans. And as actually, as soon as I arrived in the airport, I was just so in love with all the accents. Yeah. Um, it was a really lovely time. I think I'm actually going to talk about it a bit more on the Poltercast because um, I had a slightly morbid uh, touristy itinerary. <laughs> I went to the Museum of Death. Uh, the music. I went to cemeteries and all sorts. So, uh, there's places to go to do it though. New Orleans, like yeah, I, good vibe. I got handed a leaflet that said "Ghosts and Gators," which is pretty much me in a nutshell. Yeah, I was um, gonna say, how did they get you like so to write? Unfortunately, write? they were all different activities. There wasn't anything that combined the two. Tragic. Um, and then I went to Estonia for a completely unrelated sort of thing for work and mm-hmm. uh i've just been very very busy and um i'm looking forward to everything being done and i can kind of get back to l- sort of normality um and i'm very excited because uh next week is when i finally start gming uh monster of the week for some friends hell yeah and i have not gm'd in a very long time and it wasn't the most successful thing in the world but i do think it was fun enough to try again um, I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah, and also because of the wedding last weekend, I could not attend London Pride. Uh, yes. <laughs> which, um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I sometimes come across incredibly negative about... I sometimes complain about Pride a lot, and I don't ever fit in the caveat, but I do mean uh, London Pride, so my local Pride. Uh, there's lots of very good Prides, and I never want it to not happen. I just always think they could be doing better um london more than a lot of other cities um and this year was no exception uh i wanted to briefly talk about it but i don't want to um bring the mood down too much yeah we can we can easily we've got lots of good stuff to talk about yeah we can get we can get down and lowbrow and angry and to be fair even with the thing we're about to talk about like everyone i've i saw like talking about pride as after that blip had a wonderful day. So. Yes. And I think it's a blip worth talking about because it's one of these yes. things where it's so easy for the narrative to be a bit confusing from certain points of view or to... Uh... So essentially, um, the headline that I saw and the tweet I saw repeated at the moment it was happening when I was at this wedding and I was checking the my phone and everyone thought I was checking on the football, but no, it's just because I'm a radical queer. Uh <laughs> was that a group of TERFs had led the parade um, and had broken in to do so. Um, The facts that I have gathered is uh, they were TERFs, they had broken in, and Pride's way of dealing with them, because they claimed it was too difficult to kick them out and start a a violent sort of scene, Mm. was to push them as far away from the actual start of the parade as possible. So from their point of view, they were off not connected, but from anybody watching, Mm. anybody queuing up and on the sidelines waiting to see the parade, they had no way of knowing this wasn't legit. And it, to them, looked like Pride had been... Which was originally supposed to be uh, led by the NHS. Yeah. Um, And instead it was fronted with signs that uh, were basically saying that 
the existence of trans women erases lesbians from the community. And I think one of the problems, and why I do bang on about stuff like No Cops at Pride, Mm. is from, and I don't actually blame them, from the point of view of just a cop hired to keep the peace, they can't tell the difference between a bunch of lesbians with placards chanting something and all the other people in the parade, because TERFs, the whole thing is using feminist and queer rights kind of language to promote bigotry. So it was a mess. I saw lots of tweets from um, Laurie Kate Dale, um, who was there, and her experience was she booed and was shouting things at them, and she was threatened with arrest while the police were protecting them. And so this is this is why I. Some people get very upset if you say cops shouldn't be at Pride because they say it's 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 that even in these situations they prove that they're not with us, they're not on our side, they're not protecting us. Yeah. Um. But. And, yeah. Um- I feel I feel like it bears uh, talking about like this was a group of what ten older like I believe but I, from what I understand mm. which is like uh, white cis claiming to be lesbians who can really say it's bearing signs like uh, lesbian not queer and things like that and general their usual and handing out leaflets as well um, and it's. And I'd like to see the reaction to that, like from various people with their comments and this great hashtag, um, I think it's L with the T, just mm. like uh, cis lesbians uh, standing with their trans sisters. And um, also to quit, uh, not really a divergent research, but uh, turf ideology regarding trans men is equally unpleasant and unseemly and dangerous and awful, though perhaps we don't see as much of the the ire directed at it and mm. i saw um an article discussing this recently with the big talks about uh we just had that big survey with regards to uh, the the big lgbt survey which we should have put on our notes as a thing we could have talked about but i haven't read all of the results so i possibly <laughs> wouldn't have been able to say anything insightful about it anyway but there's a lot of talk about that in the uk at the moment and as is so often the case, there is all of this reactionary stuff happening. Yeah. I mean, there, there's rumours about another version of Section 28 coming back in. And the sort of people like Hadley Freeman and uh, fucking Graham Lynham. Oh, uh, yeah. Just like constantly with their bullshit on Twitter and getting articles published and just being in that space. And it's exhausting and it's upsetting and it's yeah talk about fucking lgbt wrath month that that's the that's the stuff right there and part of the problem is like we aren't supposed to get mad especially trans women because yeah. if a trans woman gets mad just like oh you're giving in to oh you're such a man being all aggressive but but all this bullshit and then uh, when it's just like, oh, act more feminine, and I'm using big old air quotes right now, and uh, being uh, submissive, the way women's face is just like, oh, well, why don't you stand up for yourselves and stuff like that? And there's, 
it's why I feel so emboldened by the good work I see from people uh, from people like Laura Cadell, from, I don't know Mia's surname, but she's just had her book come out, uh, Yes, You Are Trans Enough, mm. which I need to get a copy of. But And those are just two of the mo- most prominent voices I see on, on, the, on the day-to-day. But people are fighting, people aren't taking this stuff lying down, but it's, as always, it's such a very vocal minority that I don't think it should be dismissed, these women and it is largely women and their allies are dangerous they are and like graham linehan is an example of that where it's so frustrating and for him because he's a famous comedy writer and i don't know if people really know who he is but um father ted the it crowd yeah the, the big ones that people tend to know he um it's so easy for potential allies and straight people to be tricked into because you know they see angry queer people uh, and they want to be allies and a lot of straight people and a lot of those people attend pride and would see this and maybe learn things and then go off a path that's very hard to pull people back from mm. um the the uh the wrath month sort of started as a Twitter joke about you know the deadly sins, mm. uh, but the reason I was using it is mostly based on a very good article by Anthony uh, Oliveira, mm-hmm. who um, wrote about it. It's a it's like a really good article. It's kind of a powerful piece of sort of poetry, and like it mentions how uh, when the Pulse nightclub shooting happened, mm. a horrible silver lining of hope people had was that it would finally make people wake up and start understanding that marriage equality doesn't mean equality for everyone yeah. that that we always be hated but since then it's not got better it's actually got worse and that the kind of fascism and bigotry is on the rise and i think it's more important now than ever to stamp it out however small so even if it was just 10 people, it's... The fact the s- that 10 people were enough to stop that parade and, yeah. and hijack it. Um, so, and they, they represent probably a lot more people who are very scared to say their horrible opinions because mm. a lot of people on the far right have this idea that they're the oppressed ones because mm. they they can't spout their bigotry. Yeah. And I, I feel I should say for maybe uh, if we have any uh, sort of uh, cis het listeners, because I know we have a couple who like to sort of listen in and learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, for maybe uh, some of the younger members of our community listening, um, some of the uh, TERF trans exclusionary radical feminists uh, who insist that TERF is a slur, it's not, it's an initialism of what they believe and the beliefs they espouse so let's just put that over to one side it is the nicest possible thing we could call them it's literally a explanation of their point of view sounds like grass (laughs) you know it could be fine but like it's okay that if you've seen one of their things and thought okay well no that 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 does make sense right like a lot they talk about oh freedom from gender roles and stuff like that oh yeah that that sounds good and the sort of hatred and bigotry that these people are spouting about it's bad for allies it's bad for young queer people and the whole lesbian not queer issue it sort of taps into a wider thing of 
of discourse I've seen within the community about usage of the word queer that goes back and forth, back and forth. I mean, even Hamish and I discussed this when it came to naming this podcast in the first place. Yeah. Though we happily use the word. And I'm not saying that women shouldn't feel feel like they can use the word lesbian. Hell yes, use the word lesbian. It's these women that seek to sort of make themselves separate from. We talked, you and I, before about how community doesn't mean we're all the same and how we've got our differences and trying to clump us all together into one group isn't always helpful because our experiences are so radically different a lot of the time yeah but these people seek to divide us yeah and especially to some of the more vulnerable members of our society of our, of our community like we need to be there for them like many of them are brave amazing powerful people that i am in awe of of their how articulate they are how strong they are but they shouldn't have to be all the fucking time like that's why i'm happy to elevate and to speak for when people need a breath a breath because they're having to keep fucking say the same shit over and over again yeah I want to finish with a cool tweet that um, one of the table friends made the other day that I retweeted that made me happy before we talk, go start talking on some of the fun things we've been enjoying because, <laughs> yeah, which is uh, from uh, Keith J. Carberry, which is, give me a pride event that makes cops, turfs, racists and banks nervous, not one that makes them welcome. <laughs> Hell yeah. And she's like, yes, thank you, Keith. My favourite quote from the article I just mentioned was, uh, before our symbol was a rainbow, it was a hulled brick. And uh, anyway, I want to mention briefly my uh, a nice happy thing, a highlight of my pride, which Please was do. Please do. Tessa Thompson coming out and confirming her relationship with Janelle Monáe uh, is very validating because for a while they had there was ac- ac- accusations of them both uh sort of queer baiting people um and it made me think a lot about the way we deal with celebrities sexualities because tessa mentioned how she wants to be private but there's that responsibility of um being visible mm. um and just how do you reconcile that? And it's very, it, sometimes remembering that celebrities are real people yeah. and that it doesn't matter how loved or rich you are, everyone's battle with coming out can be very tough or different. Mm. Um, and it just made me very happy. That's all. Mm. <laughs> uh, and um, while there were some issues with, I have issues with some other things said in that interview, uh, Brandon Yuri of uh, Pan oh, yes. came out as Pan as well and while you know call people out on their shit like somebody who's so public and makes music about you know love and things like that to have that said is a good thing even if you maybe want to go can you maybe not talk about that and sort that out <laughs> but that's the thing i think okay, thanks. I, I i coming out a celebrity coming out is newsworthy i or like the top comments are always why is this news and nobody cares anymore um, often from queer people as well. Mm. Uh, and it's from people who've forgotten what coming out means, not just to the person, but to the person hearing it. Yeah. And the more queer people that are out in different facets of life, um, you know, Tessa Thompson coming out is very important for many reasons, for mm. 
you know, her very public relationship, her race, her the, the types of films she appears in, big Marvel tentpole things. Mm-hmm. Um, and just different people can find sort of a role model in that. Um, so even people with slightly dubious opinions and even shitty opinions, uh, being, I still... Being out and being visible is important. Yeah. Like, Caitlyn Jenner says a lot of shit that needs to be shut the fuck up. But also, it sets dialogues going. So, yeah. you know, just, yeah, being visible. Unfortunately, that means that some of the people that you see are assholes. Because believe yes. it or not, being LGBTQIA plus does not prevent you from being an asshole. Some of us have to work really hard at not being assholes. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, let, let's geek out. Let's talk about some fun things. Yes. Let's talk about things. And uh, spoilers, potentially, but yeah. I don't know how much we will spoil. I'm not really sure, but uh, it's time for a general Steven Universe scream. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, see, I had sort of fallen by the wayside with Steven Universe because I was struggling to watch it. So there's, I have a gap missing. I okay. had heard about who certain people were however i did watch the entirety of the most recent stephen bomb on saturday <laughs> so that i have seen and i have watched and have had many a feel Over. i had a quite specific feeling Ooh. um so my favorite gem uh is ruby um i think i've talked to the story about before about why i love her so much but um, one thing that I've always found slightly interesting slash frustrating about her is, um, while, you know, the, the crystal gems and the gems are non-binary, um, and potentially can be voiced by anyone, um, Ruby in particular, because of her relationship with Sapphire in certain countries is voiced by male actors, and uh, given he pronouns um, so that the show can be broadcast. And when you notice that, or when you know that, you do notice certain things about the way she's portrayed um, and the ways in which she kisses Sapphire whenever she does and certain things like that. Um, And so I very much appreciate in this episode, Mm. uh, in these episodes, uh, just seeing her briefly in a dress yeah. and kissing Sapphire on the lips. Um, because, so <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, these are cartoon characters. I'm not saying that any actual non-binary people have to do anything to prove whatever. I just think so, something like that sends a sort of signal to... That can't be ignored. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe that whole scene will be cut out, but it does send... We are doing everything we can to tell you you can't censor us. This is mm-hmm. explicitly queer content, and I loved it. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say also to that, like, how good Sapphire looked in that little tuxedo. That yes. I was just like, yes. I loved, I loved Garnet's combo look. That was so good. That I, I really hope to see some uh, Garnet cosplayers rocking that uh, yeah. combi tuxedo wedding gown because it looked boss. So, yeah, it was very, very good. 
And um, I just I just continue to be delighted with what a refreshing change of pace Stephen is as a character. Hmm. And also, I really liked about is that Ruby went to or that Greg was providing emotional support for Ruby. And I hmm. like that we see that of Greg. And there was also some interesting stuff about the names we choose for ourselves and the people we choose to be, which was rad. But to uh, to circle back to my point about Stephen, this wonderful little boy shaving a single solitary hair off his cheek, that was so cute. And just like <laughs> this sweet boy. But also for him to be so excited and have this book full of wedding ideas and his sheer joy about celebrating love. And I'm just like, dang, that little boy is cool. Yeah. I wonder how much, because the show is based on um, Rebecca Sugar's brother, Stephen. Yeah. I wonder how close Stephen Sugar is to Stephen Universe. (laughs) Um, I'm just wondering, where is a real Stephen? He's too Mm -hmm. perfect. (laughs) Um. Um... but yeah, it was uh, it was good to see, and uh, like I also appreciated again. This is just good for for kids TV, but you know more adults TV maybe. But like showing that both Ruby and Sapphire's reactions to to that news, nobody was saying you're wrong for feeling this way. Yeah, like it was just okay. Well, here is all of the information. Yeah. And also, while it wasn't my favourite episode of the uh, run, the Amethyst episode had an interesting kind of counter to a lot of the other show's content, where uh, often in the show, Pearl and Garnet sort of dump their emotional sort of issues on this small boy to kind of sort out for them. And Amethyst was sort of saying, like, no, I mean, I got stuff to deal with, but I'm going to deal with that, and it's not your problem. And, like, that could be written in such a, like, it's not your problem, and then they learn to accept that it's everyone's Mm -hmm. problem. But it was just, like, a slightly interesting, mature take. Yeah, also that she wanted to be there for him when he he was going through something difficult. I think uh, it was a line in the episode, just like, Amethyst, I think you're the most mature person I know. And she's just <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> Which is, uh, it was just very good. Uh, what else have you been watching? Oh, um, I have finally started watching Glow. Uh, it's been oh. on my list uh, on Netflix for ages. Um, I'm mentioning Glow now uh, rather than one of the other things because I have more to say about the other things. Uh, (laughs) But finished watching X and Y programs and uh, started watching Glow. Uh, I've been hearing good things about season two, uh, which is now uh, up or live or streaming, however. (sighs) But I find it really interesting uh, to watch, like seeing the credits as well, like because nearly every episode so far I think has been directed by a lady and hmm. written by ladies and while there are some characters in it I definitely want to punch in the face on the reg um, just seeing a show that's about a bunch of women and um, not all white women just feels really refreshing in a way that it probably shouldn't mm. and while I'm not trying to say that this show is a, the pinnacle of perfect writing and things like that I am enjoying watching it I used to, I was I used to be I, there was a part of my life, period in my life where I was very into WWE and like world wrestling and stuff like that so I know a little bits 
mm. about it still. And just like seeing it again just reminds me of the sheer showmanship of it. And just like, oh yeah, no, this is why I liked it. And there's, uh, I feel like there's something at the heart of Glow that is really interesting and really cool. And I know that, as I said, the show isn't without its flaws. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing those and maybe pulling apart my own feelings on it more as it goes on. But mm-hmm. for now, I'm enjoying watching a, a woman-led story being told by women because there doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of that. Plus, the 80s are fun. Yeah. Just like the music is fun and like the ridiculous leotards are fun and I'm just staring at them going, dear God, how did you even remove that much hair to have a bikini line that high? Thank <laughs> fuck I was only born in 1986. I got to avoid all of that. But yeah. Uh- I um I've watched the first series over a long time and enjoyed it, but I also enjoyed tremendously on Netflix a documentary series about Glow. Oh, not series, uh, just a documentary, um, mm-hmm. which is about the original Glow, and I think would be a very good series one, series two break Ooh. thing to watch. Duly noted, thank you. Um, because it got me very emotional. Oh. Um. I went to see something that made me slightly oddly emotional, um, which was Flight of the Concords. Hey. I went to see them perform. Uh, and they were very good. We actually saw the night that they were filming uh, oh, cool. Filming it. So um, whereas I've heard from other people they have made many mistakes and just press on, this one was a bit longer because they went back and redid certain things. Sure. Um, sure. But... It started with them saying how uh, you're probably finding this very weird because we look a bit older, um, but so do all of you. <laughs> and uh, it was just very. It, it, I, I thought, what I what was I? Yeah. I was expecting them to mention the fact that they've had like film careers and won Oscars yeah. uh, since, but they kind of went back to their original like personas. They made a lot of jokes about being. At one point, they said that they they're the biggest band in New Zealand in terms of members, uh, and that they used to be two different one person bands, but they formed a supergroup, and like they went back to their sort of original characters, and it was very very sweet. And like ninety percent of it was new songs. Okay. They they kind of stuck all of the the classics in a kind of uh, encore. Yeah. Um, and it got me emotional because I got into a band because of them. I was oh, briefly right. in a band with my friend who I'm going to the stag night of this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to perform our own like comedy songs. Uh, and we did once like just do one of their songs and they did that song as well. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of made me think about the last 15 years or however long it's been. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I was I. Whenever you go and see someone after so long, you're kind of half worried about it. Um, but I think they're as good as ever, which was very nice. That's awesome. That's it. We've got quite a lot of stuff to talk about. How about we uh, have a quick beverage break and uh, I, get back into it? Yeah, I think I need a cold shower. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put the kettle on while you do that. <laughs> It, 
it's the middle section of the show. An oasis in a desert of queer content. Except uh, we're kind of queer here in the middle too. Yes, as well. That's, it's it's a little uh, queer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyway, Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, thank you so much for listening and thank you for being patient with our slightly peculiar uploading schedule. Yes, uh, we uh, we know you guys miss us. Uh, thank you for being as kind and as supportive of us as you always are. Um, yeah, you guys rock. We also are supported not by our, not just by our beautiful, talented listeners, but by <laughs> Beastly Beverages. Woo! Phantom and Fantasy Luxury Hand Blended Loose Leaf Tea <gasps> Anti-Related Geek Paraphernalia The business is queer owned All ingredients are organic and fairly traded And almost all the products are suitable for vegans Beastie Beverages have supported us for a very very long time now uh, mm. It's not a it's not a completely free show to make As, mm. as much as we would love it to be um, And Beastie Beverages always comes in to help us keep going. So if you are appreciative of the fact that we are still here after 61 plus many mini episodes Mm -hmm. later, um, and you are a fan of tea or coffee or geeky merchandise, uh, please do think about supporting them because it does directly help us. Um, you can check them out at bcbeverages.com. They also have a a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. And, we have a new sponsor code for them, which is like amazing and awesome and good. Uh, if you use the sponsor code PROBLEMATIC, you can get 10% off your order and Beastly Beverages ships worldwide. That is just the word PROBLEMATIC, no capitals or whatevers. Um, and yeah, 10% off, that can get you, that can add up. <laughs> indeed. Um, well, I was going to say, uh, if you also happen to be going to MCM Manchester Comic Con, on the 28th or 29th of July, then you can go to the Beast of Beverages table and sample some of the products in person and meet the tea beast himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Gabe also has a YouTube uh, channel, uh, Tea Beast, where you can see him talking about varying things, fandom, tea, life in general. He's great. Check him out. We also yeah. have a second sponsor. What the hell? I wasn't informed. It's in the document, Hamish. Look at the <laughs> notes. Uh, you guys may remember Sophie, last name redacted. Um, wait, no. Yeah, no, Sophie, last name redacted from our episode on Polly Amory. Well, I'm going to talk to you about one of her other podcasting projects. Uh, Dungeons and Queers is an all-trans, all-queer, actual-play D&D 5th edition podcast that can be found on iTunes or Google Play or most other podcasting apps. These players focus on diverse characterization and good representation, specifically focusing on diverse genders, orientations, races, and disabilities. It's a deaf-accessible podcast with transcripts for the episodes available, and now is the perfect time to hop on if you love Friends at the Table or The Adventure Zone but wish they were even queerer. This is exactly the podcast for you. Download it and make sure you don't miss out on Undead Hordes, High Adventure, and Larry the Cable God. <laughs> Which is wow. That's that was that was a fun bit of copy to read. I gotta say, I enjoyed that. But uh, seriously, I've not listened to as much of it as I'd like. I'm so behind on my podcasts, but it's a it's a small, good group, and they're going to such lengths to make sure it's a show that everyone can enjoy. And I think that's awesome. So uh, you should check them out. 
Amazing. Cool. Have you finished your tea? Yes, I have. Have you finished your shower? <laughs> I have been naked and dripping this entire time. <laughs> I haven't even started my shower. <laughs> <laughs> and on that delightful note, we're going to get back into the second half of the show. And welcome back. Jade, what else have you been watching? Please tell me. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. I'm going to talk about black sales now. <laughs> I have mentioned that I have been chipping away at it. It's a show that's been on my radar for a super long time because people are saying, oh, you should check it out. It's got queer content. It's got polyamorous people. It's pirates. What more do you need? And I was like, well, that is a very valid argument. I will watch the damn show. I have watched the damn show. <laughs> and, you know, for a show that is basically a prequel to Treasure Island... <laughs> because it is it is the characters from treasure island before wow the creators were like let's make a really in-depth well-written nuanced character study of a bunch of people including possibly the angriest queer to have ever <laughs> been queer or angry uh captain james flint played by toby stevens is kind of unlike so many characters i've seen before on TV or in movies, uh, in that his whole motivation for becoming the most feared pirate, like in the West Indies, is motivated by love. Mm. And uh, spoiler for Black Spat Sales, if you're planning on watching it, give yourself like 30 seconds. Hamish, you don't mind being spoiled, right? No. Uh, we find out in uh, season two that uh, James Flint, originally James McGraw, was in a uh, relationship with a young lord, uh, English lord, uh, Thomas Hamilton, and his wife, Miranda, three of them in a relationship together, um, that ended up going public. Uh, they were revealed. Uh, lord Hamilton was put into Bedlam, or uh, Bethlehem, sorry, the... Uh, I use the term hospital very, 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 very loosely. And mm -hmm. Miranda and James are forced to flee. And it comes up later in the show, like Miranda is striving to get James a pardon because of, uh, of his piracy. So he can retire from the life. And he's like, no, I can't sign. I refuse because that would be me apologizing. And she's like, to who? He's like, to England. Because <laughs> England took the man he loves away from him. Mm. And... His whole thing is he wants to go to war with England. He wants to destroy civilization, as it were, because, and yeah, motivated by this great love. And there are so many queer characters in this show and the pacing of it is beautiful and it feels like a novel unfolding as you watch from it. And it's, it's even, the episodes are called Chapters and it feels like that. Mm -hmm. There's these amazing women characters and people of color. And while the show isn't free from flaws and also some things that may be difficult to watch, I believe I mentioned uh, last time I mentioned Black Sails, that there's some scenes of sexual assault in the first season. And because it was the Stars Network, you definitely see more than your fair share of boobs wandering around in the background of stuff. <laughs> Disembodied <laughs> boobs wandering boobs. around. Disembodied boobs, yeah. That's where the CGI budget, uh, budget goes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in all, all joking aside, um, also, it can be incredibly violent. Again, Star's speciality, but they do not shy away from blood or gore or violence. I mean, there's been a number of times when watching it, uh, me and Tom have just been like, 
<laughs> generally like sort of visceral oh god oh god but uh yeah we finished it last weekend like three four days ago and it was nice to come to the ending of a thing that got to have the ending that it wanted and it was just sort of like awesome genuinely mm. awesome it's the kind of thing that as a would-be writer and as a actor i sort of strive to be anything like that so uh if you've got the uh also pirates <laughs> uh, for any of you that were big onto merlin back in the day tom hopper plays billy bones and his <laughs> arms look just as good as they did in merlin treat yourself watch <laughs> this show <laughs> No, he's fantastic in it, though. It's cool to see him have some sort of like really meaty character development. Uh, he, he goes on such a cool arc over the course of the show. I mean, he has a really dodgy beard in season four. I'm just like, mm, no, Tom, you just look like they blew something on your face, babe. Your arms still look great, but the beard, mm, nah, nah. But yes, it's currently on Netflix. Um, I know it's on Netflix in the UK and in the Czech Republic. I don't know its availability <laughs> in other places, but if it is available and you haven't watched it yet and uh, the content I mentioned wouldn't be triggering for you, I do recommend it. Awesome. You got me very interested. I have to add it to my list, but yeah. maybe closer to the top than some of the other things. Nice. Um, what about you, buddy? I wanted to mention um, a friend's podcast. Um, when I was in Estonia, I got to know a bit better um, someone called Sean, who worked at the organisers of the event, um, who I've met a few times when we get on. Um, but I found out through Twitter stalking him that he has a podcast called Broad Appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about uh, movies about women um, and why gay men are obsessed with them. Um, and so it does basically it takes a famous actress and then does three episodes on them looking at um, and each of them have the theme of the good the bad and the crazy okay um and so you get these really funny trilogies unfortunately almost all the episodes are about films i haven't seen Ah. but uh i did i did listen to the judy dench um trilogy um and they made me cry as they recounted the plot of Philomena, which I forgot how much I liked, mm. um, and made me desperate to rewatch Notes on a Scandal in their crazy episode because yeah. uh, I I I thought it was a great film when I was like seventeen, uh-huh. and I I I've, I think it still is very very good, but it's also high camp and high, like over the top, mm-hmm. um, and just generally squirm inducing mm-hmm. um but just the general discussion about why these films which feature usually no queer content um are considered sort of gay rites of passage sometimes sure um i'm talking about things like sunset boulevard and uh there's a film called mummy dearest and these are all considered sort of camp films. And one of the unifying factors I find quite interesting is a intense dissection of a somewhat unhinged older woman. Uh-huh. It's kind of a unifying theme. And part of me is wondering if it's because with no films about gay men, yeah. this was sort of a closest relatable feeling. 
a sort of person uh, often spurned by the men in their life. Yeah. Uh, but no one understands that everyone mocks that exist in a strange, um, often the very wealthy women, and they exist in a strange kind of uh, limbo between privilege and oppression. Um, I don't know. It just made me re- rethink about a lot of films I like. And uh, it kind of tied into on the flight over, I watched I, Tonya, um, which is a recent film about Tonya Harding, the uh, figure skater. Um, and it's funny that this genre is still there of kind of, uh, camp is a weird thing. I mean, I, I only think of that line from the Simpsons episode the about the ludicrously tragic. tragic, but that's such a good description because something like, mm. um, I, Tonya is, a you know, on paper, it's the film about a woman who was abused by her mother, abused by her husband, who was then, uh, falsely from her point of view accused of um being involved in an attack on one of her competitors Mm. um but the way the film portrays all of it is so outrageous it's the film does a really interesting thing where it kind of um because no one will ever truly know everything yeah. The f- director has chosen to present everybody's point of view as fact, even if they contradict each other. Cool. Um, so there's this there's a scene which is probably it's gonna it's gonna be a lot harder to explain than to see in terms of content. It's essentially a fight between Tonya and her husband, mm. and it's very very violent. But both of them are taking these kind of blows and being knocked against walls, but talking straight to the camera about their point of view and how they're making it all up. Uh-huh. And it's such an interesting film to watch from a sort of acting and directing standpoint. Tonya, mm. uh, Tonya's played by um, Margot Robbie and her husband is Sebastian Stan. Mm. And um, everyone in it is very good. And everyone sort of like gets the tone. Um, anyway, this is kind of a very vague topic, but basically I've just been getting in touch with films and wanting to direct scandalous camp Mm. cinema and uh broad appeal is a very good podcast if you're into that sort of stuff that's all i want to say oh cool well to move from one genre uh to another i having been peripherally aware of it peripherally peripherally periphery (laughs) uh aware of it since i think about uh, maybe autumn last year uh, is an anime formerly uh, based on a manga uh, the a friend of mine was reblogging a lot of on Tumblr to the point where I had to blacklist it because they hit special interest hard with it mm-hmm. um, but also in the last few months um, I've seen a number of other friends get into it and I figured okay clearly now is the time where I need to and then uh, Tom started watching it and then wouldn't shut up about it so I was like okay fine I'm talking about My Hero Academia (laughs) and let me tell you about my 20 children and how I love them (laughs) oh my god okay 19 one of them is a little shit and needs to be gone um, can I can I briefly say uh, before you deep dive? Yes. Um, this is on my list, and unlike everything else I say is on my list, this is like probably at the two or three ranking. 
Um, the second I find access to it, that's... I'll link you. Thank you. Uh, I do find subtitles... Is it subtitled? They have both the dub and the sub. Okay, good. Okay. I, I love subtitled, but I find it hard to find the time for my complete concentration. Sure. Uh, but um, now, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. uh, for those of you that maybe don't know, My Hero Academia is about... Um... A society where like 80% of people are born with what they call quirks, uh, a superpower of some form. And this superpower can be something as, in I say inane, something as small as being able to lift like heavy objects with your mind, like very small scale telekinesis, uh, to be able to turn into a giant, to be able to uh, literally create anything that isn't organic from the lipids in your body. They run the gamut of things that are both that are seemingly innocuous uh, to something truly staggering and you know phenomenal cosmic powers. <laughs> and My Hero Academia follows the story of this young man, uh, Izuka Midoriya, whose name I am going to apologise in advance. I am bad with Japanese names, very bad. Um, and he is quirkless. Uh, he does not have a superpower, but he desperately wants to be a hero like his idol All Might. He turns out to be an American, which is very cool. I was delighted to find that out as it went along, who's sort of like, who uh, is described as like the symbol of peace. It's like, and uh, what happens, I won't get into spoilery details, is uh, he desperately wants to go to UA, uh, which is like the pinnacle school for heroes to go in. You are trained as well as your studies. It's a high school. You learn how to be a hero. Like they teach you hero skills. And through circumstances he gets in he gets in and it is literally about his school career except because it's superheroes there are super villains and lots of bad shit happens but what i find really interesting about uh, the world of my hero academia is that it's one of the best takes on superheroes i think i have seen in a very long time it certainly resonates more with me as a person the way it talks about the impact on society superheroes have and what it means to be a hero. And they have characters within the world questioning these things. And it is super interesting. But also at the same time, it's about a bunch of teenagers and sometimes it gets to be wonderfully light. And it's about these kids who want to be heroes. And it is them giving them their all. And I, with a number of people, head canon a bunch of these characters as some flavour of autistic, queer, trans. And the, the lead character, uh, Midoriya, is, as my friends who are familiar with My Hero Academia will know, is entirely Jade's flavour of bullshit. Because <laughs> this is a very enthusiastic, emotionally open young man with green hair and freckles. <laughs> who desperately and I was just like oh no oh no I am done for and he um, is a very sweet young man and I am very invested in it and uh, it is the animation is stunning and the music is frequently amazing and if you're interested in superhero narratives I really cannot recommend this show enough I mean for those of us in the audience, given what our podcast remit is, there is no explicitly queer content, um, which I understand is actually probably fairly common. I don't, I'm not familiar with enough anime to be any kind of authority on the sub subject, but I understand like outside of the certain niche genres, 
I shouldn't call them niche genres, about certain categories of manga and anime. That's probably quite standard, but there's definitely like potential for that and these wonderful deep relationships between people. So, I, w- I really want to see it because it ticks the same bells that One Punch Man did for me, mm-hmm. and um, which is also still very good, but I, 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 I'm very excited to watch it. Yeah, I will. Uh, shoot, remind me when we finish recording to ping you the link, and I will. Thank you. Um, I, like many people on Twitter, have watched Nanette <laughs> by Hannah Gatsby. Um, I need which is a... to watch it. It's on my list. I've seen it yeah. like, gift a lot on Tumblr. And just apart from going, okay, hashtag relatable, hashtag relatable, hashtag relatable on pretty much everything <laughs> I've seen, um, I don't know too much about her, whereas you're more familiar with her work, right? Yeah, um, I'm not sure how familiar everyone else is with her. Um, she's an Australian comedian, um, been around a while. Uh, she's lesbian. Uh, she talks about that a lot in her set. Um, she, I first came aware of her as a, what starts as a very tertiary character, but ends up being quite a main secondary or a guest character of one of my favorite shows please like me um an australian sitcom i've mentioned a number of times in this podcast uh i think it's only on amazon prime uh in this in this country but um it's very worth checking out it's about a uh gay guy and his mum who goes and stays in a sort of psychiatric facility um and ends up dating someone from there as well Mm -hmm. um and Hannah plays Hannah, uh, who uh, is also in the same um, hospital. And uh, she, what, what I found very interesting about her character is that she wrote all of her content in a right. sitcom that's actually mostly written by other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she does a sort of monologues a little bit in her in in the show and has slightly isolated plots. Um, but they're very, very good, and I don't know. She won me over, and I was desperate to see her in something else. Um, so this special comes along, and I don't want to spoil anything, but part of its selling point is that it's not afraid to not be funny. Mm. Um, it's a comedy special in quotation marks, because even though I'd say half of it is full-on comedy and is very funny Mm. um the other half is very serious um and very moving and um a sort of element of the whole show is uh the first kind of thing you're told as a stand-up to win the crowd over is to self-deprecate um but that's good advice kind of coming from straight white cis male comedians um, but if you're part of a kind of oppressed group, self-deprecation ends up being self-humiliation. Quite often you're sort of forced to make the crowd laugh by conforming to, and sort of accepting being a undesirable in society. Mm. Um, and I just, I found that so true and so kind of, you know, there's so I see it's happened a lot where queer people actually do 
tell homophobic jokes to kind of win you around. I see a lot with people of colour who talk about being in high school and making friends by kind of playing up to stereotypes and jokes. And I understand why we do it as sort of a defence mechanism. Mm. But sometimes it's kind of okay to say enough and to say when the joke ends. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's very, very good. So I think people should, if you haven't already, it's had a real, like, bizarrely uh, vocal, it's not that bizarre, but, like, word of mouth mm. kind of thing. Everyone's got their, you have to watch Nanette <laughs> tweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also check out Please Like Me, because uh, I don't think she shows up till the third or uh, season or second. I can't really remember, but sure. um, it's very good anyway. Cool. Um, I would also like to talk about a comedy special from a lesbian comedian. <laughs> yes. Um, I recently watched a special called Rape Jokes from Cameron Esposito, who, oh, I see it, Please Take My Wife is the show she does with her wife, funnily enough, uh, another comedian, uh, Ray, uh, Ray Butcher. And in it, it's a, it's a very funny special but she also talks frankly about uh her experience as a survivor of sexual assault and it's a topic that comes up uh throughout the topic and um you can watch uh this on cameron esposito's website and it's sort of a pay what you want but the money goes to i forget the specific charity but to helping uh survivors of uh, Mm -hmm. sexual assault and that's what the whole thing is it's about sort of creating that discussion but she talks a lot about what it means to be um, living in America right now and uh, how white people done fucked up and need to own that and respect that and work towards being better and I've not it's, it was my first time watching any of her stand up and I fucking obviously she talks a lot about being gay and uh, and why the fuck shouldn't she but it's just very funny very on point comedy the special's like less than an hour I believe, um, but I I really do recommend it if that's content that's going to be uh, safe for people to watch. If you can donate, obviously that's awesome. But yeah, the way she talks about things is very sort of accessible. But also uh, she does she's not afraid to sort of pull punches as it were. Well. Uh, yeah, definitely recommend it. And she's got she's doing a tour and she's going to be in Soho in September for Ooh. like a week. And I need to go. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I regret not going to see Nanette when it was on because it was also playing in a small theatre in uh, Soho. Yeah. Maybe it was the same one. Was it the Soho Theatre? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where Cameron Esposito is going to be. So. We should... um, I will say, I, I just want to say that Nanette does touch on similar things. So again, watch with caution if that's not a topic you want to hmm. have fun with. You want to round us out because you've been reading a lot of comics recently, as is your want. Yeah, this is this is just the last thing. It's going to be kind of quick fire. So if you are into reading good queer and sort of adjacenty comic books and graphic novels, I have a number of things to recommend. Uh, New Orleans, I went to the American Librarian Association uh, conference, which was massive and. Uh, I won't talk about how libraries and librarians in America are thriving and respected and <laughs> uh, improving and 
are this huge thing and in the UK are not. Mm. <laughs> um, some context, this was a uh, conference for librarians in which Michelle Obama opened it and did a huge talk about it. And Damn. I was in a stadium with like 5,000 librarians and Michelle Obama said, Dewey Decimal System and everyone cheered. <laughs> um, Epic. Librarians are nerds. Um, but because, but I also got to meet so many comic people, so many people I've looked up to for years on Twitter. Um, it was very, I, I don't say it's lightly, lightly, but quite life-changing. I felt very connected to the industry in a way I'd never felt before. Um, and I also picked up a lot of comic books. So, here we go. <laughs> As the Crow Flies by Melanie Gilman. Um, is from Iron Circus Comics. If you there's a run by someone um, Iron Spike on Twitter who is very vocal, very intelligent, very cool, always talking about history and how race and sexuality and sex of that. Um, Gaz the Crow Fies is a great book about um, the only um, queer person of color in a Christian summer camp and how she deals with that. Turns out. She's not actually the only queer person there. Um, it's a very good book. It's all about them going on a sort of long hiking nature trail and mm -hmm. it doesn't go in any of the directions I expected it to. Sure. Slightly lighter uh, is My Boyfriend is a Bear. <laughs> by... is, the be is the boyfriend a literal bear? The boyfriend is an absolute literal bear. <sighs> It's by Pamela Ribbon and Kat Farris. Um, Kat is the artist and I got to hang out a lot with her um, at ALA. And yeah, it's it's really great. It's uh, The bear doesn't speak. He's just a bear. She, The main character is um, a girl who just decides to date the bear in her backyard. <laughs> And it, it sounds like it could be very awkward and weird and creepy. It balances such a good line. It's it's like a masterstroke of balancing that line where it never feels inappropriate, but it still does take place enough in the real world that she has people reacting as if it's an actual bear. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really beautiful and very sweet and very funny. Um, and it's not technically queer, but the reason I put it in as adjacent is that it tackles the sort of feeling of your partner not being who people want it to be. Um, and in a way that's very truthful, like as silly as the concept is, it means that the sort of truth of the emotions can be very uh, on point. Sure. Um, I'm, 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 I promise there's only two more. <laughs> Uh, actually, I'm gonna no, sorry. Uh, blah. I'm gonna mention um, Dead Weight, which is by Terry Blass, who's a friend of mine. Um, it's about a uh, fat camp, um, in which one of the counselors gets murdered, and the the uh, kids at the fat camp have to um, solve it. And it's also very queer. Uh, what a premise! <laughs> oh my god! I know it's really good. It um. It's very funny, but a good mystery as well. And it, I was kind of, it, it, I don't know, as someone who's spent a lot of time with weight issues and the balance between trying to lose it and trying to accept it, it has characters on every kind of spectrum of that, which is really nice. Um, next up is actually quite famous by now. It's called The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. Um, 
I wasn't sure what to expect from this. Um, the concept, the, the premise is uh, just a prince in, I think, Belgium? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, hires a dressmaker to privately make him dresses so that he can go out and uh, perform as a, a woman on stage. Um, I was kind of ex- maybe worried or expecting a, a very uh, Danish girl type story where kind of one touch of a dress and I realised I'm trans kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is legit for anyone's experience, but coming from potentially a cis source might not be great. Um, but it kind of does, it, it, not to spoil anything, but it doesn't really go in any of those directions. It, it's very literally about a prince who likes to wear dresses and it kind of, I guess the sort of period setting lets you decide how that person would identify in the present day. Sure. Um, but it, all of that sort of taken out means you can really focus on an amazing relationship between these two people um, it's just very lovely, well observed, and very beautiful. And this is clearly drawn by someone who loves to draw amazing dresses, so it's very <laughs> visually appealing. And the final one I can't talk about very much because I've only just started it, but I already love it, um, which is by Nagata Kabi. Um, it's my lesbian experience with loneliness. Now that um, is a title. The very first page uh, just has. The protagonist naked on a bed, staring at another naked woman and saying, uh, and her thought bubble is, I'm 28, I've never had sex, and I'm in a room with someone from a lesbian uh, uh, app, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely true story. That's just a diary about her experiences of like intense depression and coming out and her first sexual experiences and everything else I've listed are kind of all ages mm. books. And it was actually nice to hear, to read something that wasn't for once. Um, cool. So that's my comic roundup corner. Hey. <laughs> uh, we should I'll... pop. What? Yeah. We should I was just gonna... get a yeah. We'll do a, yeah, link, yeah, yeah. a list or something for that. Yeah, so before we round up, if we have time for some quick questions in the yes. No Box Vox Pop Corner. Yes, let's pop over there. Pop to the No Box Vox Pop Corner. <laughs> uh, would you like to go first? Because yeah. I think this is more your wheelhouse. Sure. Um, these both from the Facebook group, yeah? Yes. Uh, Gemma uh, asked, um, or put the question through, um, I'm not sure if I'm bisexual, polysexual, or pansexual. I'm attracted to at least two genders, but I don't know if some. But I don't know if some that might be romantic as well. I've always told people that I was bi, gay, or because it was just easy and were terms that most people would understand. Have you gone through anything similar, or have you any suggestions? Oh boy, howdy! Um, I don't know what that was. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's, it's the heat. It's the heat. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, uh, this is actually, uh, something I struggle with still. We, our first episode of this podcast was all about labels and like finding ones that feel right. And as someone that is both queer and autistic, I need to figure out where stuff is supposed to go. For my brain, I need to know, okay, but what is this? What does this mean? What should I use? How should I describe myself? And I think in the bisexual episode, 
uh, that we had, I talked about how, as far as I perceive the definitions of bisexuality, that includes pansexuality and polysexuality. And so, and while I've definitely been the, um, I've had, and I, I speak more in that episode about sort of my journey through the words and the choices uh, that I've made, I still now wonder if I should sometimes say pan rather than bi. I tend to say bi a lot of the time because bi is quick and easy and fun to say and is really good for puns. Hmm. Um, pansexuality, the way it was first explained to me felt like a very wonderful thing. But again, as my understanding, uh, polysexual is something that I only sort of came into later knowing as a term. But that for me, the literal definition of polysexual, forgive me if I'm incorrect, is being attracted to multiple genders. So they all kind of fall under the same umbrella. So really, Gemma, one, I get it. I feel you. It's exhausting, especially when you see people going back and forth going, being bisexual uh, or people are bisexual are inherently transphobic or and there's so much back and forth over the two and it's just sort of like guys for all of us like we're just not that fussed about a partner's gender or lack thereof mm. it's like people are great um all of these uh yeah i feel like you should never force yourself to have a label because no. you're scared people will judge you for a different label or it, it's okay to just uh choose one no none of them are wrong mm. um but uh why did i say but um and <laughs> um it's okay to change your label mm, and definitely. to have multiple level labels um and uh it's it's all valid it's all great you know that um hannibal Buress kind of meme where it says blank is all the same mm. He's kind of looking down at various things and saying, these are all the same. Mm. Um, I saw a funny variation which had the flags for bisexual and pansexual and polysexual and something else, I can't remember what it was. But the quote was, while these broadly overlap, the small distinctions are very important to people and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw that exact same one. Um, really, I would say, um, whatever feels comfortable for you at the time, use that. And if you want to change it later, that's cool. Change it. Like, as some, I tend to introduce myself as being queer because, with regards to my gender, sometimes it's just easier that way. But I also like to point out that being queer and non-binary means I'm gay for everybody. So, <laughs> really, it's uh, it's finding a way for you to be comfortable. Use all of them. Like yes. get, get a little flag for each. Like if I get to a local pride here in Kent, I plan to do like bi colours on one cheek and pansexual on the other, and maybe get a rainbow flag on my back and just be like, yo, and get a little transsexual one to wave too. Like all are good, all are valid. Yeah. Find find which feels right for you. I agree. Um. Uh, last question is from Val. Going to my first drag show this week, any hot tips? Ooh. Um, I've never been. I should go there. I don't know what country you are in, but there is one big distinction between drag shows in the UK and the ones in the US. And it all has to do with the fact that the UK does not have $1 bills or £1 bills. So the focus of American drag shows often is tipping. Um 
queens will come out and lip sync or perform in other ways and you're expected to tip and just throw dollars at the, on the stage. Um, a lot of American drag queens when they come over here feel a little shortchanged um, because we're not going to start throwing pound coins at you. <laughs> um, so that's just one tip. Uh, there's nothing else I can really think of. I mean, uh, be aware that, uh, especially now after how broad the... Uh, fandom that drag race has um your typical drag queen audience uh is probably going to be a lot more diverse and varied than it might have been a few years ago where even i would feel quite intimidated by a kind of room filled of exclusively gay men (laughs) um and i think uh i don't know just have fun i mean i've not had the most experience i i've seen a lot of like queer um performance art but almost most of it kind of falls in weird gutters between drag queen and drag king or uh something entirely different and unique um i don't know just i i hope you have a fun time and if you don't then that's cool um if you do that's cooler (laughs) Mm -hmm. um wear something fun yeah. If you don't want to be approached by a drag queen doing the rounds, don't wear something too loud. Like, yeah. as, like as somebody that both lives in fear of, but is also secretly hoping that the stand-up will talk to them. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a balancing act. There's also so many different kinds of drag, so I'm not sure what to suggest. You could be seeing mm. uh, music or acting or comedy or political rants or mm-hmm. anything in between. Um you know, I just hope you have a fun time. Yeah. And well done for supporting local queer art. Whoop, whoop. Give it up for queer art. Um, I think that's the end of the episode. Yeah. It's been a good one, I think. I think so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am going to now hurry up through this end so I can put my fan back on, because I am yes. a very warm. Absolutely, I agree. So... If you'd like to send in a question for next episode, you can do so via BoxNotIncluded at gmail.com or on social media. We're BoxNotIncluded on Twitter, on Tumblr, and on the aforementioned BoxNotIncluded Facebook group, which is private and full of great queer and geeky discussion. Come along to check that. And also, if you've got any topics you'd like us to tackle or news items you'd like us to discuss, or if you've read something interesting you'd like to hear our thoughts on it or recommend it to us, all of those points of contact. Send them out. Please feel, yeah, please feel free to post uh, interesting articles you've read mm-hmm. um, and all sorts or recommendations for things you've watched. Mm-hmm. Plonk them on the group or on Twitter or email. Anyway, is good. Yes. Um, and you can contact us directly on Twitter. Um, I'm Rose. I'm at Hamish Steele, and I've realised that we've swapped places, so we I've have. got to be the one to say uh, we like to thank Graham Waller, audio overlord and master of the sound waves for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. You did it but beautifully. Un- are we are we doing this? You know, I'll still I'll no no no. no <laughs> okay, you, you can wrestle that away from my sweaty dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> but and on that delightful note, until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele, and don't let everyone box you in. <gasps> <laughs> Subterfuge. I am betrayed. You can say it now. I promise. No, I'm gonna leave that in. It's good. It's happy. <laughs>